You are listening to the Purpose Church High School Ministry Podcast. Whether this is your first episode or you've heard them all, God has something to say to you. Our vision is to see every student everywhere following Jesus, and we hope this message helps you take your next step in your faith. To learn more about our high school ministry, visit our website, purposechurch.com HSM, and check us out on Instagram at purposehsm. We hope you enjoy today's episode. Playing a little game of sink or swim, does anyone know why there were some things, why some things float in water and why some things sink? Density, buoyancy, oh my, smarty pants. Okay, so then what is it? Density, buoyancy, okay, but explain it, explain it. Yeah? When there's something that's less dense, it will float in water. If it's, if it's more dense, it will sink. So what I wanted you guys to see tonight, what I wanted you guys to see is what we like to call science. Everyone say, ooh, science, science. So science, the definition according to the online dictionary, science is this. Everyone listen up. Don't you miss this. Don't you miss this. This is a knowledge check. All right, you guys? Science is knowledge or a system of knowledge covering general truths or the operation of general laws, especially as obtained and tested through scientific method. So basically, scientists try to figure out the basic laws that govern the universe, how the universe works. And scientists use what's called the scientific method. So before we go there, before we go there, who can tell me, are you smarter than a high school student? Who can tell me what is the first step of the scientific method? Before hypothesis, there is observation. Ding, ding, ding. So you'll see it up there. You'll see it up there. Um, The scientific method starts by making an observation, an observation about the way the world works. You ask a question. um, And so we observe that certain objects sink or float in water. Then, if we were really smart, we would have done a bunch of research to develop a hypothesis. We would have developed an experiment, tested it, analyzed some data, and then drawn conclusion. And after that, we have not a hypothesis, but a theory. Thank you. Ethan, that was Ethan. That was good. Good. All right. So science values what is empirical. Everyone say that word out loud with me. One, two, three, empirical. Write that down. Put that in your English essays. Empirical. Give me credit. Cite me at the end. Empirical means that you can verify it based on observation or experience. It's not just something that's logic or lives in your head. So basically, Empirical evidence means it's something that you can personally observe. And scientists assume that everything, everything in the world has a cause and effect. And so that's why they run experiments, because they believe that we can find the consistent rules that the universe follows. But today, today, lots of people have taken this idea to quite an extreme. And maybe if you think about it, in your own life, 
Have you ever experienced someone, maybe at school or maybe on your sports teams, maybe online, who claims that science is the opposite of Christianity? Thank you, David. Opposite of Christianity. There's this idea that science and Christianity um, is kind of in, in, in this tension. And people think that years and years ago, like in the Bible days, people needed to make up these grand stories of how the world was created and, and how it came to be. But nowadays, some people are like, oh, well, we don't need those fantasy stories because we have science. We have empirical evidence. There's things that we can see. And there's a question, just as David was praying for us tonight, of some people think, well, we have science now, so hasn't science disproved Christianity? Why would we even need to talk then about Jesus? And what I want us to do tonight is suggest three guiding truths for us to understand the relationship of science and faith together. Because have you ever wondered, where does science come from? Everything that we just did, our little sink or float, where does the scientific method, where did all of that come from? Where did we get this idea that the universe follows consistent rules? Did you know that modern science was actually invented by people who believed in God? Rebecca McLaughlin, the author of the book that inspired our series, she says the first modern scientists invented the scientific method because they believed in the creator God of the Bible, who is totally in charge, incredibly intelligent, and completely free. The first scientists believed there were consistent laws running the universe because they believed there was a consistent law-giving God. Our first guiding truth of the night is that modern science began because Christians believed God created the universe in, in an orderly and purposeful way. Think about it. If we didn't believe that the universe ran on consistent laws, then why would we ever need to study it, right? So think about this. If I drop this book, what's going to happen? It's going to fall. Gravity. Boom. Another science experiment. But if the world, if the world was chaotic and I could drop this book and I didn't know if it was going to fly up in the air or maybe fly over and hit Shelby in the face, then why would we ever need to study science? Hans Halverson, who is a professor of philosophy at Princeton University, very fancy, he says it like this. People started doing science because they believed in the God of the Bible and that even today, People who believe in a creator God have a better reason for doing science than atheists do. Because if you don't think there's a God who made the laws of the universe in the first place, if you believe the universe is here by accident for no reason at all, then there's no final explanation for why science works. You just have to say, well, aren't we lucky that it does work? Studying science does not minimize God. Instead, it actually gives us a way for us to see his design up close. Psalm chapter 8, verses 3 through 5. So my favorite set of verses. And David the psalmist is speaking to God, and he says this. When I consider your heavens, 
the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you have set in place. What is mankind that you are mindful of them, human beings that you care for them? You have made them a little lower than the angels and crowned them with glory and honor. Friends, have you ever had that moment? In a couple of months, we are heading up to winter camp, and we're going to be up in Camp Pondo. And maybe you're thinking about, okay, at night when we're up in the mountains and there's all those stars that just litter the sky, and you're thinking, oh, my gosh, God, you set each one of those stars in place. You're blown away. Maybe you hear or learn about the life cycle of a jellyfish or a grasshopper or the way the water cycle works, and you're just blown away by the ways that God has created and designed. And in that moment of awe, do you ever realize, just like David here, that the same God who created everything that you can see, the most beautiful mountains and lakes and oceans that you can picture, um, the, the God who so intentionally designed life, he thought of you and thought creating you was just as good of an idea. And I love that we sang, so will I tonight. Um, just honestly gets me every time. And uh, do, you, do you remember that line kind of in the beginning or towards, actually towards the end, my bad, towards the end that says, on a hill you created, Jesus, you gave your life so that we might know you. Have you ever thought about that? that? That the hill that Christ died on in order to make a relationship with him possible for all of us that was a hill that he created. He made the way so that we could know him. That's our God. It's totally unbelievable. And so science actually gives us a deeper way for us to worship God for the ways that he's created. And we've seen that science was originally invented by Christians. And you're maybe like, okay, all right, but... What about this debate between science and Christianity? What, what happened? What's the history of that relationship? Well, some of the most famous scientists that probably you all know and the ones that you get tested on in all of your classes, did you know that many of them, not all of them, but many of them actually loved God? Isaac Newton, we'll pop up his photo right here, kind of an unforgettable man, right? You guys... Those curls, you know. Isaac Newton, Isaac Newton, one of the most influential scientists of all time who discovered those basic laws of gravity, just like we saw, um, and motion. Now, Isaac Newton was not necessarily all in, like totally Christian, like for the Lord, because he didn't fully believe that Jesus was fully man, but Newton was deeply convinced that God did create the world, created the universe, and he actually wrote way more about God than he ever did about science. James Clerk Maxwell, who lived in the 1800s, he figured out the relationship between electricity and magnetism and light. Uh, don't know how any of that works. You guys, confession, my junior year, I was the dumbest person in my, AP, in my AP physics class, I promise. I was like, it was so embarrassing. Thank you, Christina, you feel that? Yeah, people, when we would do experiments, like our, my classmates would help me clean up because they just knew I was like a mess. And yeah, it was terrible. Okay, all right. So magnetism, all this stuff. Did you know that James Clerk Maxwell became an elder in the Church of Scotland? And by the time that he was your age, he had already memorized large portions of his Bible. 
And even today, there are wonderful leading scientists, some of the um, most intelligent people in their field who deeply love Jesus. MIT professor Jing Kong, her testimony is that she grew up as an atheist in China, and she became a Christian when she was a grad student at Stanford, and now she is a professor of electrical engineering. And she says that her research is only a platform for her to do God's work, that his creation and the way that he made the world, it's all truly amazing. And that leads us to our second guiding truth of the night, and that is that science continues to point to a creator. We kept giving the gravity example. Um, I've been talking a lot about this topic with um, Pastor Jason Abasta in the last couple of the uh, in the last couple of weeks, and we have just been geeking out, like blown away by the gravity of stars because the gravity of stars is so perfect that it holds them together. And if it changed by just a fraction, the stars would explode, <laughs> and we would not be here. And yet, for years and years and years, just like the psalmist said. God has set the stars in place. God is the one holding them together. Let's look at another example. For most of history, scientists believed the universe always existed. And it wasn't until almost a century ago that Roman Catholic priest, Georges Lemaitre, so sorry, you guys. I was supposed to figure out how to pronounce that. I took Spanish, not French, I think that is. But Roman Catholic priest, he proposed a crazy-sounding theory that the universe had a beginning. He thought it started off incredibly hot and incredibly dense at a point, and he actually called, uh, called it a cosmic egg, which I think that is so cool. And then the universe started expanding rapidly at an unbelievable rate. And many people thought that that idea was ridiculous because it sounded a little too much like God creating the universe in Genesis chapter 1 out of nothing. And actually, the term for this theory, the Big Bang Theory, did you know that that was actually a term meant to mock this idea? But thousands of scientists have run thousands and thousands of experiments on this, and they actually confirm this theory. And there are so many ways in the way that our earth is perfectly set in distance from the sun, a little bit closer and we would all heat up, a little bit farther and we would all freeze to death, that consistently point to there has to be a creator. The chances of this happening all by randomness are, are it's, it's, it's too much, it's too, it's too wild, there has to be a creator. And so maybe you're thinking, all right, I think I'm kind of on board. But what should I do with everything else, with so many other things that make it seem like science and the Bible conflict? And for the rest of our time together, what I want to do is kind of pivot us into kind of refining and working on our Bible study skills. Because, because... Sometimes I think we think the Bible and science contradict each other when a lot of times the deeper issue is actually that we have an improper approach to studying scripture. Remember that our Bible is God's word. It's divinely inspired. It's completely off of God's authority. 
Hebrews chapter four, verse 12 says, for the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. And Kaylee preached on this so beautifully last week. And she reminded us that there's something about God's word that affects us like nothing else that we could ever read does. And she also reminded us that when we are reading a Bible passage, we have to consider the original audience and the original context. So let's turn together to Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1, the very first page of your Bible, and we're going to look at the opening verses for just a few minutes because I think that this is a part of the Bible that can trip up a lot of people who are struggling with the relationships, with the relationship between science and Christianity. So Genesis chapter 1, starting in verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty, Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning the first day. All right, pause. When you read that passage, what questions do you have? When you read that passage today, what questions do you have? And as they're coming to mind, write them down right now because they're going to be really helpful during your life group time. And as you're writing down your questions, I want you to hear, just like we've been talking about all series, just like we've been talking about for so long here at HSM, your big questions are important. And God wants to hear your questions. He wants to walk with you as you are seeking answers. But again, going back to where Kaylee kicked us off last week, is that to be good students of God's word, we have to consider what was God trying to communicate to his original audience? Because if we don't do that, I think so often we can miss the main point of what God is trying to teach us. And in your life groups tonight, you are actually going to do a Bible study on Genesis chapter 1 and dig into, the, and dig into this further and kind of explore those questions more. But to prepare us for that, I want us to see that we can know for sure that in a lot of ways we have different understandings today of our world compared to the original Genesis 1 audience, even just in verse 1. In verse 1, it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, when we say the word earth today, what do you guys think about? Do you think about this? Yeah? Anyone else? Yes, me too. Also, the first image that comes up when you Google earth uh, in Google Images. So, clearly, we're on the same page. But this photo was not taken until 1946. So, for our ancient Israelites, for our people of God's word, when they said the word earth, do you think they were thinking about this? No, probably not. What do you think they were thinking about? The land. The land. What, what they could see. Let's do heavens next. When we think of heavens... Maybe you kind of think about the sky, but maybe you're thinking about something that's almost beyond it, right? Maybe a place where, where God dwells. 
The Hebrew word, which is the original language that Genesis 1 was written in, that Hebrew word for heavens can also be translated as sky. And if you're thinking like an ancient Israelite, right? We don't, we don't, they don't know about any of this. They just see the land. They see the sky that kind of continues like a dome, right? From like end to end, everything that they can see. And God was saying exactly that. Everything that you can see. All of the land, all of the sky, everything that the light touches, right? Everything God created by himself. And this was groundbreaking, friends. Especially when you consider that there were lots of other creation stories that the Israelites would have been exposed to. Creation stories from the Egyptians, from the Babylonians. And the God of the Bible was showing his people that he did not need help or assistance in creating the world. The earth also was not brought about violently like it was in some other creation stories where a God would have to die in order for us to have earth. And God was also showing that he wasn't a disconnected God. He wasn't a God that was out of control. He wasn't a God who didn't care, but instead God was invested in his creation, that he cared deeply for the earth and everyone in it. So sometimes when we read Genesis 1 today, we can walk away a little bit disappointed if we think, well, God, like, well, what about the dinosaurs? Or like, God, well, did you really create it in one literal day? Like, how old is the earth? We have all these questions and we're like, God, it doesn't feel like your word is answering those. And I'm not saying that those questions are not important, but what I'm saying is sometimes we get so caught up in those that we miss the original point that God was trying to communicate. And that was that he, God alone, was in charge and that he loved his creation. That was that truth. And as you head into life groups, you guys are gonna dig into that even more and I'm excited to hear about, that, about how that goes. But before you go, I wanna remind us that what we've seen tonight is science and Christianity are way more interconnected than our world and even some Christians like to think. So that means that Christians should not discount or discredit or underappreciate science because like so many things in this world, science is a tool, is a way that we can get to know God better and can lead us to deeper worship of him. But at the same time, Christians should not like blindly believe that everything that science says is true because science, unlike God, can change over time. Also, when science is done improperly, it can be totally biased. And science is important, but the Bible tells us what is true, not just about the world and how it works, but about why we matter, about who we are. At the end of the day, friends, HSM, everything takes faith. At the end of the day, no matter what you believe, you have to make a choice of faith that what you are trusting is true. And we can't know it all, but I think as Christians, we can actually take great comfort in that because we are not God, God is God. And we can trust his wisdom because in Isaiah chapter 55, verse nine, the Lord says, as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. So we can rest 
in his wisdom. We can trust in his brilliance. Rebecca McLaughlin, again in our book, says, but any Christian, whatever he or she believes about science, must believe that God created us, that the Bible tells us the most important truths about human beings, and that a scientific description of a human could never give us the full story. Science can tell us many useful and important things, but it can't tell us the most important truths. And that's our last guiding truth of the night. Science is helpful, but can't tell us the most important things. Science can show us beautiful and amazing ways about God's design for this world. It could point us to God's glory. But the most important truths that we could ever know about who we are and our purpose in this world can only come from God himself. There are things that science cannot totally answer, and Christianity I believe, has the most compelling explanations for what science can't tell us. And I hope that wherever you're at on your faith journey, whether you are all in for Jesus, if you're just exploring more of who he is, I hope that you continue to study both science and the Bible and along the way get to know the God of the Bible who loves you more than you could ever imagine. I love you guys. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you that you are our creator, and thank you that you created and brought every student and leader here tonight. God, I pray that in our life groups, we develop skills to approach your word in ways that we can get to know you and the original message of what you're trying to communicate to us so clearly so that we can apply them today and get to know you even better. Jesus, we love you, and we give you all the glory. And